Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got my good friend, Blake Thompson. Uh, Blake runs a teammate basketball uh, national uh, travel league tournament. And uh, I had some great insight about his uh, message to players, uh, coaches, and organizations that participate in the league. Um, for years, travel ball has been um, a space where athletes can uh, perfect their game in off season and also get a little exposure at the same time, but um, just wanna make sure it's done right. So speaking to Blake about his expectations of the groups, the players and coaches, um, really shine light, shine a lot of light on what's needed to be, um, the type of temperature needs to be at those tournaments. So um, let's get into the interview and hear what uh, Blake's suggestions are. But hey, I know you got to go. I'm gonna take up too much of your time. I know you probably like, man, I did day day TV. What else? What else did he want? But but you know, I, I um, our model was talking about you know student athletes that turn into business. You know what I'm saying? And and I, I always talk about you know your business, how it's a well-ran machine. You know you um, you know the, the professionalism, your hands-on with your clients and everything. So you know I just love to get and you know the game of basketball. So. All those things included, I love to always get your take on things as we move forward, you know, getting this message out to people. It's always good to connect with you, for sure. For sure, for sure. All right, so um, first topic we're going to talk about is just the, the transition of the game, right? Um, I spoke to Monty Lee, who's the head coach of uh, Clemson Baseball, which is not, nothing to do with basketball, but the same kind of concept makes sense. And he was talking about the resources that, athletes have today um it's kind of he didn't say it's hindering them but it, it takes away from the it gives more of the individual style of it but takes away from the team concept you know when it comes to team performance and team cohesiveness so I just want to get your take on that and see you know which what's your take on 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 that uh on that statement per se yeah coach lee he spent some time down at college of charleston right Exactly. I'm like, God, when I, when I was in town, he, he's a great, great dude and a, a great leader of young men for sure. And I, I would agree with that a little bit. Um, you know, we see a lot of a lot of individual training uh, like here where I live. I'm in I'm in middle Tennessee and uh, like I, I'm in the I'm, I'll always be speaking from the travel basketball scene. You know, that's kind of my my territory. So that's that's what I uh, kind of see and can and kind of digest and can speak on. But 
Um, we got a lot of individual trainers that, you know, will kind of cherry pick different kids from different teams and, and they'll kind of do their own thing. And they've got their own models and uh, their own track of, of development. And, and maybe it does uh, help the cohesiveness on the team. And, and like Coach Lee says, maybe it doesn't. You know, maybe those those two, uh, two, two voices that you're hearing from, from a training perspective and from a coaching perspective, mm-hmm. um, they're not – they can't always be aligned, you know, unless unless the two the two parties are working together. So, you know, that, that can be a little bit difficult. And I think it's hard for parents to make decisions. You know, they obviously you want to – you want to maximize the potential of a, of a player or, or of your child. Uh, but you also want to do it in a way that's healthy, you know, in the, in the teams and the rosters that they're going to uh, to ultimately uh, fulfill. So, you know, I think there's there's a lot to weed through. It's difficult. I've, I've got a five year old son right now. You know, obviously he's not not made it to that level. He's still he's just just having fun. And there's a you know, there's still an innocence involved when you're in kindergarten, right. first grade. But I mean, it's cutthroat once you get to third grade, at, at even at our events. You know, we have to yeah. remind some parents and, and coaches sometimes that. You know, let's not get caught up in, in the results of the game. Let's make sure that kids are enjoying themselves and they've got the opportunity to want uh, to improve, you know. Right. So uh, I don't know. Again, I'll go back to it being difficult to kind of weed through some of the opportunities that young players have. You know, you want to take advantage of those training opportunities, but you also want to make sure that uh, you're fulfilling the expectations that you have, whatever your role is on on your school team or on your travel team. So uh, it's just a trying to keep those things in check and trying to keep that relationship healthy is important. Definitely. Um, so that kind of segue into my next topic, which was, you know, team coaches and organizations. Um, <clears throat> you don't get a chance to speak to them directly all the time. Um, so what would you say to any team coaches? Um, we'll get to organization next, but any team coaches, what, what do you want to direct, not directly say, but what you want to say as far as concept of what um, you think, a, an effective environment would be for coaches that partic- that participate in your uh, your tournament. Yeah, in my events uh, specifically, man, positivity. There's not a lot. There's not enough of it. Um, you know, we I get coaches who call me. Maybe a tournament schedule will come out, and and I can just tell by the com- by, by the way the conversation starts uh, that this particular team or this particular coach is is concerned about where they may end up in a bracket scenario on Sunday or who their pool pool play matchup is against on Saturday, you know, things like that. I mean, if, if you give me a call and say, Hey Blake, you know, we've, we've played this team the last six weekends. Can we please get another matchup? That's, that's, that's okay. Something like that is, is makes a lot of sense. And obviously you want to, to see a diverse, um, you know, list of teams and competition at, at the events. That's important. You know, get people seeing different teams uh, is one of the things that we try to value and, and mix matchups that, that make sense. But at the same time, some coaches call and, and they're only, they're only projecting like in their mind where they think that they can end up in a bracket scenario. That tells me that all of your, all of your goals, you know, all your priorities this weekend is to make sure that, that you get an award or, or you get, you know, you kind of get to boost your ego and, and you kind of can justify to your parents, you made the right decision by playing with me, you know, things like that, other than this is an opportunity to go play, you know, teams at our events will play anywhere from three to five games over the course of two days. Right. That's a lot of that's a lot of time on the court to understand where you are as a team, understand where a kid's strengths and weaknesses are. How does a kid how does a kid adapt to adversity? How does you know how what are ways that we can improve and and ultimately get these kids better to wherever they're going to go? This is not the end the end all. You know the travel teams that we 
that we see the, 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 the player has a long basketball journey when that, when their experience with this travel team is over. So if, if that's one thing I want to pass along to the coaches, you know, don't get so caught up in what your record is over the past five years. You know, I hear about these rankings and stuff like that. I'm on the event side. We, my goal is to, is to give your parents and coaches and players the best experience uh, possible. Do I want to see them be successful? Do I want to see them win ball games? Absolutely. Like winning is, Winning is a small piece of the developmental track, uh, but it's not it's not the end goal, you know, to win to win these travel basketball games. You know, let that let that transpire in, in high school state championships and and on into college where winning is truly impactful and, and you know, makes a difference uh, right yeah. now. It's it's about getting, you know, your eight, nine, 10, 11 kids. Uh, to maximize their their true potential and and parents should be able to recognize that too like if you're if all your practices and all your conversations with your coaches are strictly about you know winning and and matchups and we got to play here because this team is here and we can't play here because this team is here then you know there may be and it doesn't make a coach a bad person it doesn't make mean that they have mean intentions or bad intentions with the kids it just means that there may need to be a little bit of a um, you know, change in, in priority and, and their ultimate ultimate goals with the kids on the team. I see that a lot. There's a lot of emphasis placed on winning, and that's okay. People are competitive. I'm competitive. We Obviously, you want to win every game that you compete in. You just can't get caught up in that and, and let that be the end all. Yeah, and that's a great point. And I know from, you know, like I said, from the event side, it's very important that you present that atmosphere for, for them to compete and grow and develop. But like mm-hmm. you said, and I always was talking about that from a coaches and an organization standpoint that, um, yes, if you're talking about winning all the time, it's, it's, it's overlooked how the development, how important development of the kids from playing these games. And right. I think, and I think you're um, not trying to win the race without, without running it, you know? Right. And, and I think I always talk about um, from a coach's standpoint and then an organization standpoint, what's crucial because if you're winning, yes, you, you're winning because you want to get noticed as a coach, as an organization. I get it. And then this player can get noticed by colleges. But here's the here's the point that they're missing out. That's their passion is, is welcome, but the kids aren't ready to be recruited. As a freshman in, 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 in high school, if you're playing travel ball, organizations, coaches need to have their kids already registered with the NCAA. Let's get that out the way. Let's make sure I understand because – if, if your job priority is winning and, and be a great coach, then you're doing the kids a disservice, right? That's right. So I just think, and like you said, from an event side, that's what you want to do. And I think from an a, a, a activist side or trying to get the message out, I wanted to bring that question up so people yeah. can understand, like, yes, it's important to win, but make sure the kids are prepared and, mm-hmm. and, and set up in a way that they can benefit from your winning. That's right. That's right. And we see a lot of teams who are, are very – successful like in terms of winning and lo- winning and losing they're very successful maybe in their communities and they and they play in smaller events and and you set this expectation up for your parents like man we got a really good team my kid is really good a really you know solid starting point guard on this travel team you know we're we're 20 and one over the past three weekends we haven't even left the county and then you know you you take them on the road and you take them to a big time event where there's 30 teams in your division and you go zero and three for the weekend, and it it's like you know the parents are looking at the coaches, right. the coaches the coaches are looking at the officials. <laughs> right. You know, it's like right. Right, that's kind right. of a dangerous precedent to set. And set, instead of going to a bigger event, you know, taking your lumps a little bit and appreciating that as much as you did the success, you know, on the front end. So um, it's we see a lot of, of 
crazy things in the tournament world, you know, some experienced people, you know, like yourself, we've hosted your teams in the past. Like you understand you played the game at a high level. You, you went through every level. So you can kind of, you can kind of recognize what's going on, but you know, unfortunately, it's not unfortunate. We've these guys who are pouring their time into a volunteer capacity to help kids at the end of the day, they should be applauded for that, sure. but that doesn't automatically mean that they have the knowledge or, or the, or the foundation to understand how to navigate that and how to appreciate uh, wins and losses and, and the different things that can transpire. And, and honestly, sometimes that's where you run into bad situations at tournaments. You know, we've sure. seen, you know, fights break out and, and confrontations between officials and, uh, and coaches. And a lot of times it's, it's just due to a lack of information, exactly. you know, just I, I'm right. And you're wrong. And um, you know, tempers flare, these, these things can be, uh, competitive. We try to get out in front of that that type of thing early, but it, it does happen. And and again, a lot of times it's just due to a fact of not recognizing and understanding, you know, what it is that you're even a part of. So. Right. In this time our segment, we got Jay Christmas. No matter what it was, I was trying to let him know he was doing a good job. And then once he got comfortable and I saw him grow. I was monitoring what I was doing. And so I started then implementing mm. a little bit of negative reinforcement. Mm. This mm. is, you know, and then, and then again, trial and error, but it was working. For sure, for sure. It was, uh, it, it was working, so um, I was happy with the results. And so right. I always, and then I always made sure he played with older kids. For sure. Uh, cool. I wanted him, I did not want him being the best kid on the field. Now let's get back to the interview. And in closing, as the organization part, you know, if you're a coach, obviously you got to be a part of the organization, should be a business or whatever, have you running your program, but make sure there's a medical presence. When I, when I played, I had MUSC as a sponsor on my team sitting on the end of my bench. So if any, any, any heart issues, any, any sprained ankles, like most of the time, the events don't really have those things there. So you yeah. as an organization, if you understand, like you said, what's needed, you put those things in place. And That's lastly, the meals, the meals, like, you know, um, uh, McDonald's and sodas and Skittles. Like, I mean, that's that's the staple of a, a kid's meal when they're in tournaments. That needs to change as well. Concession stand, dining, man, that's it. You know, <laughs> so those are the things as an activist, you know, we try to bring awareness to. So people that listen to this podcast, listen to the information, make sure you implement those things into, into your, into your repertoire. So your kids and parents can be well more, I mean, much, much more informed. That's a great point. Absolutely. Um, so moving, you know, moving forward, you know, we talked about two years ago, we had some things planned and COVID just pretty much just killed all of that. And I think that was a pivotal turn for a lot of businesses, a lot of organizations to be creative and make things happen. Um, share with the audience um, some things and um, that that happened with you know the, the business and the service and how you changed it around to be and, and, and was creative and you know and turn the success out of it. Yeah, so the COVID pandemic, you know, with travel basketball, um, it affected us like it affected everybody. Uh, I'm sure it's like beating a dead horse at this at this point. I will say this though, prior to COVID. I was, uh, you know, I was just kind of a, a young business owner trying to trying to figure out. We we saw a level of success by trying to do things the right way and treat people the right way, and 
and we had a good amount of, <clears throat> excuse me, a good amount of growth. And then, you know, we, we come to a halt in March of 2020. And it let, it let me realize that, you know, man, we're not in the travel, the travel sports world. It, it almost, there was a point where it seemed like this is kind of a, this, this business has, has a lot of proofs, you know, like this is recession proof. This is, you know, this and that, like this, this is a business that can really sustain because sports is a big mm. component. Mm. Uh, especially to young people uh, and, and not even young people, you know, your, your professional leagues and, and, and college football, you know, you see sports is a pivotal part of, of people's everyday lives. People are passionate about it. And, and that's, that still goes true at the grassroots level, which is where we exist. Right. Uh, but, the, but the way that COVID uh, shut us down and, and the fact that we just couldn't do anything and uh, just trying to figure all of that out, that, that showed me like, this is anything could happen at any time, you know, and, and it helped us, it helped us as a company. It helped us, um, just budget wise, it helps us with our projections. It helps us operate a little bit more carefully, you know, financially. And I, I think that's, that's probably true for a lot of, a lot of people, regardless of your industry, if, especially if you're self-employed or you're, let's say you've got a, a small LLC and, and, you know, things were going great. And then you're, you're all of a sudden you're sitting at the house without, without anywhere to turn, you know, without any kind right. of options, you know, maybe you've been fortunate enough to get some help with some of the, um, you know, the financial assistance that went out. Um, but that that really opened our eyes and and helped us uh, have more of a sustainable model now on the on the business side of things. It's like let's let's not operate as if anything can happen. E even now that we're you know essentially through uh, the COVID pandemic, it's like you know we still uh, we could get a call at any time or something could break through at any time, whether it be um, you know virus related or, or just you know relationships along exactly. the world. In the world, you know, are, are in, in some places they're struggling a little bit. The United States is not immune to that. We're not immune to feeling effects from decisions that are made from uh, leadership across the world. So, you know, it's just it takes uh, takes us out of that um, that micro view and, and allows us to to try to truly understand uh, the effects that different things can have on the business that we that we run. Essentially, I mean, we're we're in the travel basketball space. You know, sure. in my mind, we're we're always going to be able to do tournaments. Mom and dad's always going to bring kids to to come and play teams are always going to exist. And we hope that that's true, but you know, in the world that we live in, we've got to be equipped to, uh, to be, uh, prepared and, and ready to make an adjustment that goes for us and, and for really any business. Right. And I want to make a point. Yeah, it, it is beating a dead horse, but the point I'm trying to make what you, what you did make is important. The, 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 of improvising, right. Because oh, a lot yeah. of athletes that listen to this podcast might think about starting a business. COVID right. hit them. Not even mm -hmm. COVID, let's say two years, something else might hit. So I think that just putting that in the air and let people know, you know, what, because they look up to this business. They know about Absolutely. senior basketball, but they yeah. don't really probably know the situation that you went through personally to keep sure. the business sustained. So I like to bring those those things to the table. Absolutely. Um, it's important. So, you know, you, you watched all the basketball, you know, pre-COVID, during COVID, and before you played. I see a, a change in the temperature in basketball. It seems like the game has increased, uh, like the speed, like the, the skill development, everything is just on another level right now. It's, it's sped up, but in a controlled way. Um, mm -hmm. What's your take on, on the transition from, you know, not seeing it in two years, so automatically it's, it just seemed like it just got better? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, the for me, just being on the event side, I, I try to tap into the games, you know, at the grassroots level. They're fun for me to watch. You know, when I when I get to the event, that's that's the easiest part of my job, you know, is, is to come and, and check out the games. You know, for me, I was thinking a, a little bit about this. You know, the, the goal will always be and can always be 
putting the ball into the basket, you know, mm-hmm. and making sure the opponent doesn't have the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, so at that foundation, you know, fundamentally that's always going to be the goal is to score more points than your opponent. But you know, what's been interesting to me, like watching the tournament this year, these, these 20 and 25 point leads are just, you don't have any kind of cushion. The game has turned mm-hmm. into a game of runs. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoever can go on the last one is, is mm. going to be the team that wins. You know, last mm. night we experienced the, the biggest comeback in NCAA's championship game history and Kansas storms back. I think they got, I don't know what they got down 20, 23, 25, 16, whatever it is. 16, 16. Okay. So, you know, it's like how, 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 how that has changed is, has been interesting, you know, because it's, it's just a game that goes up and down and, um, you know, the, 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 the ability to get up by, by 20 points historically is like, you know, you could, you could get yourself in a situation where you feel pretty good, especially in the second half. Mm. Um, but now it's, you know, it's, it's a fast game and, and guys are scoring from different parts of the floor and you've got big bodies who are, who are uh, versatile in the way that they can score it. You know, you got guys that are coming down. I, I think about the, uh, the manic kid from Carolina, you know, he's coming down the court at seven feet hitting a trail three, you know, that's right. something that you got to account for uh, defensively. So it's been, think- it's, been, it's been interesting to see and, and to see that transition into, into the game that we see today. Do you think the transfer transfer portal has been helpful to the game, especially, you know, teams that's been making big runs that got all these different players that, you know, before yeah. we were playing, they had to set up two years. Well, that's year. right. So what do you, how do you think the, the trend? Do you, well, do I mean, you all you got to do is, is take a look at some of the rosters of successful teams uh, this year. You know, I, I follow SEC basketball pretty closely and, you know, there you've got some star freshmen that existed in, in the league, <clears throat> Jabari Smith at, um, at Auburn and uh, Ty Ty Washington at, at Kentucky, um, okay. Kennedy Chandler at Tennessee. But if you look at, at those kids that are around them, they all came from somewhere else. I mean, exactly. Shibwe is, is a, uh, is the national player of the year. Um, people, people assume that he was at Kentucky the whole time, you know, it's a kid that came from, uh, came from West Virginia. So wow. the transfer portal, it, it allows you to address needs on your team immediately. It doesn't, you know, these, this rebuilding that, that teams have to go through sometimes can be, can be changed immediately over the course of a summer, you know, depending on who you can kind of pick, from the transfer portal, not every kid is a fit for every school. There's still got to be some kind of vetting and some kind of, um, you know, realization that, okay, this kid is a good fit for us. This kid is not, but I tell you, it really benefits the big time programs. You got to, you got to tie in the NIL situation now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that even the NIL makes, makes the decision for a kid that's on, that's a fringe NBA kid, you know, he can stay around and make 500 grand at a, at a power five school, mm-hmm. you know, through different sponsorship deals. So, uh, it's it's a much more complicated space now, but um, and I'm not I'm not pro transfer portal or I'm not anti transfer portal. You know, it is what it is. The teams you're going to have to adapt until another change is made. But it's just been interesting to see you know these kids that are at mid majors. I think about the kid from I think he played at Auburn. He came from like uh, Eastern Kentucky. You know, nobody even knew he was on the on the radar. Now he's you know top two or three guards in the in the conference and probably top 15 in the country. So it's, it's good to get kids, you know, out of their situations and get them up on a, an elevated platform to where they're playing on TV every night. But right. then again, you know, there, there are some uh, critiques of, of, of the system and it's just kind of more like a free agency now. So, but I think, I think what that leads to the point that if, if kids got a, a chance to pick their own spot coming out of high school, then that decision needs to be based on the, the, the coach and the system that's being run. Yeah. Right. They're not because they, some people, some players pick 
teams or, or, or colleges based on the notoriety or the or the chance of going to the league. But you, you're not right. going to leave. You're not playing and, and, and you haven't implemented yourself into that system to be effective. So that's what you need to, sure. be look, to be looking at. The most important message to get across to student athletes suffering from mental health issues is that you're not alone. Many student athletes deal with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and other mental health struggles. If this is the case, speak to someone like a counselor, a parent, a trusted adult, or your fellow teammate. Adults who are supporting a student athlete should be aware of the signs. A student athlete who is experiencing mental health difficulties might have constant fatigue, loss of appetite, mood swings, apathy, or even declining grades and or social isolation. A student athlete's mental health can be severely affected by an injury. An athlete's entire life becomes about their sport. And when they lose the ability to play, it can take a huge toll mentally. As we continue to reduce the stigma around mental health, hopefully more middle and high school level student athletes will feel confident discussing their health, whether it be mental or physical. The Triple Threat Podcast will be adding a psychology aspect in season two. We will be doing our part to help destigmatize mental health when it comes to student athletes. So subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform so you never miss an episode. Now let's get back to the interview. Um, lastly, on that topic, I'm talking to Danny Johnson, he talked about the evolution of the European game into the into into the United States, how it's the European European game has invaded our game per se and take it over where you know, it's, it's really positionless basketball. Um, mm-hmm. What's your take on that? You just talked about the threes, come, the, the biggest coming out shoot the threes. Do, yeah. you, do you believe in, do you believe that statement? I, I do believe that statement. I do. I mean, we're, we're gone are the days of having, you know, your, your true ones and twos and threes and fours and fives. You got fives that can do the one thing and, and vice versa. So, you know, I, and I think that's, that's a good thing for the game. I mean, um, again, there's there's a lot more uh, level of complexity to the basketball game now, accounting for guys that, that have different strengths and weaknesses. But I mean, there's you've got your true ones and, you know, guys sure. that are kind of quarterbacks and, and floor generals. There's a spot for those guys on every single team. And then you look at uh, the big kid from Carolina that got hurt last night is a Baycott. You know, yeah. he's obviously he's not. I wouldn't call him exactly versatile. He's not going to spread the floor like some yeah. guys, but but he's a force back to the basket and you get him get him in good position. He's going to score it every single time. So those spots can exist, you know, the, the ones and the fives. But at the same time, you see this you see this transitional player that, you know, can get the, the defensive board and go 94 feet. I mean, it's it's we've we've seen it over the over the years yeah. uh, with LeBron, honestly, and KD. I think those those guys have kind of transcended that mold. But. Uh, especially now with the European uh, guys, you know, kind of infusing themselves into the NBA, you just you you got to kind of salivate at that kind of talent because they are so versatile. There's, there's just not a lot of not a lot of weaknesses in their game. Um, right. And, you know, you take a kid that 
has those abilities and, and, and then world-class athleticism, like, like Jabari at Auburn, you know, he's, Mm. there's just not a lot that he can't do it at six foot 10. You know, he can defend well, he can, his mid range is great. He can shoot three um, play plays above the rim, obviously. So, uh, but it's good for the game. I think, um, you know, it's, 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 it's got us to a point where guys can come from all over the world and, and come into the NBA and, and have some success. You don't have to fit a certain mold to be in the NBA anymore. You can, you can kind of take your game um, uh, up on yourself and, and be the best you can be. And I think it's, you know, give credit to the, the European system that they develop their kids early, which allowed that's, that that's, transition that's to come, yeah. come through. Um, so uh, we're going to change hats right quick. Um, you, you say your son is five. So now being that you, you played the game, you got an event, you watch basketball all the time, you know about different services and different programs. Mm-hmm. What would you wish your take on bringing your kid up through the sport and development? You know, from now from a parent standpoint, let frame that for me. For me, you know, I've, I've taken a, an approach and hopefully I can, I can live by it. You know, I want, I want my, I've got a daughter too, that's 10 months old, you know, so I want them to kind of. Congratulations. I didn't know that. Thank you, man. Yeah. Two, two of them now. So uh, I want them to kind of, to take the lead. You know, I I see a lot of, I I see a lot of dads and and coaches who are just trying to, uh, you know, force a a square peg into a circle hole, you know, as, as the saying goes, we can't, we can't do it for them. You know, they've got to have some incentive. They've got to have some some inspiration that lives within themselves to want to be able to do it. Otherwise, you know, and they, they, they may have fun the entire time and, and enjoy getting better, but I, I'm not going to uh, force myself upon uh, my son playing playing basketball or any sport. He plays, he plays three sports right now. He plays T-ball, he plays soccer, and he plays basketball. I, I don't know which one he likes more than the other. Um, and if he, if he says he's done with one, then we'll, we'll stick it to the side, you know, after, after the season. But um, I just want to take him to take the lead on that. And if he's, if he's serious, you know, then we'll start looking into the resources that, you know, that we would have access to, to try to, to try to improve and, and always keep the, the element of uh, attractiveness to the game, fun to fun for the game. We always want to keep that in the, in the fourfold. I see some of these kids who, who hang their heads after tournaments because maybe they played a bad game and they know they got to ride three hours back home with, mm. with coach or with dad or with mom. And it's not an enjoyable experience with them. And, and you have as a parent, me as a parent, I can't speak for anybody else. Like the relationship that I have with my son, you know, I want to, I want it to be like this right here right, um, right, all right. for our entire lives as both, as long as we're both on in the world together. So right. I wouldn't want something like the game of basketball or, or a sport to kind of drive a wedge between that relationship. If, if I can keep that healthy and, and, um, and get him to where he wants to be as a player, then I'm, I'm going to try to do it in the way uh, that doesn't uh, tarnish or, or add any kind of volatility to the relationship that I have with him as a person. They, at the end of the day, I want him to be a great person. And if he's a, if he's decent at, at baseball or soccer or basketball, then that's, that's, that's a big plus for us because we're sports people. Uh, but we're going to keep that, a few notches down on the priority list. For sure. That's a good point. Um, so, you know, you being in business and you was a player, um, saw the clips, looked like you was a scorer. Compare your, your athletic game to your business approach. You know, um, Dwayne Wade was a hard nose, just go all, all the time, just go hard. He got injured. But Paul George is kind of, you know, the passive side, both scores, different games. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. What's your take on your approach with um, your athletic game compared to your, your business? There's, there's some similarities between my game for sure. I mean, uh, we've met in person plenty of times. I'm five foot 10 on a, on a good day. I always had to, um, you know, kind of play bigger than I was. And that, that came over with the business side too. I was always not going to be the first person picked and always kind of going to be looked at as a kid that wasn't going to make it, especially at the division one level. Uh, but we figured out ways to make that happen. And that's transcended over to the business side too. I started teammate basketball from scratch. So I had to just like, you know, on the playground, I had to kind of infuse the brand into, into the travel basketball circle where much larger players existed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, even all the way down to facility rentals, I can remember year one and year two reaching out to big facilities with multi-court, you know, multi-court venues and being like, Hey, this is Blake Thompson. I'm with teammate basketball. Um, interested in renting your space. And it's like, you know, I can tell their goal is to get off of the phone because they have no idea who I am. You know, right. I got Adidas coming in. I got AAU coming in for a state championship. Like we don't really have time to take a risk on you, not knowing who you are or, or what you're even about. Uh, so to grow those relationships now to where we've got a network of facilities that we work with across the country, uh, you know, there, there were some similarities there just going from from a little, you know, the, the small company, the small kid on the block to uh, to be a, a decent player in the space. So that's exactly what I had to do in in high school, you know, just kind of let your game speak for yourself. And um, I played at Cameron Indoor, my first college, my first college game at Georgia Southern. You know, I heard it from the Cameron crazies on on my size. But, um, you know, you got to You got to tune all of that out. If you're a competitor, you kind of kind of like it, you know, so for sure. That's a that's a great point. Um Mental health, you know, back in the acts, oh, my, my guests were talking about mental health. Now, athletes starting to come out and talking about it. But back in the days we grew up, you know, you just stick your head down, just deal with it, get right. through it. You know, now it's a change. Now it's, it's a topic being talked about. Um, what's, your, what's your take on the, the, the new topic about mental health and athletes? There, there is some importance there. You know, I, I think um, the conversations have to be much more fluid and transparent between coach and parent and kid. You know, again, just me talking from the grassroots space. I mean, kids, kids have it. Uh, kids have it difficult now. They have it. Um, it's, it's a different kind of difficult than, say, somebody of your age or even my age or, or people that was older than us. You know, their, their adversity wasn't the same. These kids still have access to pretty much anything under the moon right now. Um, but you know, the, the conversations that are, are having or that are taking place between coach and parent, they're, they're those, you know, kids who are going through difficult times and, and adverse situations, maybe at home, uh, maybe at basketball, you know, those, those conversations don't need to be held lightly. I think, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a healthy relationship between, you know, program parent and kid. And it, it might be something going on at school, that festers up at basketball practice, but we need it. We need to kind of know what, what those situations are. Um, we can't just say tough it up and, and figure it out. You know, there's gotta be a, a level of uh, accommodation for kids because, you know, you, you see things like suicide rates and, you know, even just violent crime amongst kids. Like there, there's, there's some things going on. Maybe there's uh, some things that are lingering through the COVID pandemic. You hear a lot of that. A lot of those data is tied together from kind of being shut down and then to some of the suicide rates and some of the some of the other kind of negative um, statistics that you see right now. So, you know, sometimes kids just need to be heard. Um, I, I, it is important. I don't I don't know what the solution is, but, you know, it's it's got to be there's got to be more of an emphasis on it. And I commend guys like from the NBA that are coming out and speaking on some of that and some NFL players that are saying like, hey, you know, it's it's not 
this is not just something that we're making up. You know, we gotta right. gotta be there for somebody. It, it comes down to to letting somebody lean on your shoulder if if they need to. You know, that's sure. that's just part of being a good teammate, essentially. For sure. Um, and your your overall uh, vision for travel basketball, like you say, you started really small. Now it's like you got this national with uh, um, uh, relationship with facilities and it's growing. What's your mm-hmm. overall vision? Let's say you know five to ten years from now. Yeah. So for me, you know, we've got a network of directors who do a great job for us in different in different markets. Um, you know, at, at first, this is our sixth year. So at first it was like, let's do as many events that we can possibly organize and just try to get the name out there. Even if it just gets somebody to our website, you know, that's kind of a win. You know, now we're to a situation where we can kind of scale that back. You know, I think the travel basketball scene can be a little bit um, watered down a little bit, especially now that we're through COVID. Like during COVID, there was only a couple bigger tournament organizations, us included, that were able to do something because you could only do things in these sports uh, facilities. High schools w- weren't renting themselves out. Rec centers wasn't really renting themselves out. So it, it weeded out a lot of the, the smaller guys that were just doing two court events, one day tournaments. A lot of that went out. So our tournaments actually um, increased in stature just because there was such a, a bottleneck of demand into, into a select few organizations that were hosting events. Um, but, and now we kind of see that some of our numbers on our bigger events are they're down a little bit just because now, you know, in Raleigh or Charlotte, you may have like 20 tournaments going on in one weekend. Right. It just spreads right. the demand out, which is, which is fine. You know, people got to kind of get in where they fit in, in terms of what, events that they're um, in, that they're participating in. But what I would like to see from teammate basketball, not necessarily the whole, the grand scope of travel basketball, but for us, I can see us getting to a point where less is more and kind of really focusing on a, almost like a circuit of events where, you know, you know that our events is going to be in this city on this particular weekend. Like teammate is going to be here the next weekend. They're going to be here. Not that we wouldn't do a one-off event um, with an event that's been around for a little while or something like that, but almost kind of go on a, a tournament tour. That way we're in control of the brand protection. We're in control of the standard. We set that standard. If something happens at our events, we're responsible for it, not somebody that we've outsourced in a different market. Uh, I think that that will help us operate a little bit more healthy and improve our product at the end of the day. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And his philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically, teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. Um, in closing, you know, like I said, you did day TV. So we talked about the oatmeal recipe uh, from an athletic standpoint. So in mm-hmm. closing, let's uh, briefly talk about oatmeal recipe from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, skill development. What type of skill development do you need to be a successful business owner? 
you've got to be able to, to have and to sustain and maintain relationships. Um, good things are going to have happen in business. Bad things are going to happen in business. Uh, can that relationship between you and a facility, between you and an individual, between me and a coach, between me and a ref, if something bad happens in our business relationship, can we survive that? Can we maintain that? If you can do that, um, you know, you're going to be able to to really create opportunities for you. Your bridges are not going to be burned anywhere. And and to me, you do that by being accountable to people. You do you do that by being honest with people. Um, you know, and that's I value relationships. I know that's a phrase that's used a lot, but I mean, I can't wait till the fall rolls around where we hit this conference schedule and I'm going to different trade shows that bring together event owners with facilities and uh, vendors, suppliers, you know, awards people. I just, I like to represent our brand and I like to build relationships, whether we work together or not, you know, they can say, oh yeah, I do, I do know that guy that's, you know, going to be hosting the tournament in, in Tennessee this weekend. I like being that person. I, I like to, um, you know, for people to call on me for resources or references or whatever. I think that's, that's very, very important. If you've got a healthy relationship, opportunities are going to be there for you. So that's, that's my key in, in trying to improve on that personally. You know, I'm, I'm still, still striving to be a better business person, but I've learned that uh, a lot can be done just by valuing relationships and, and kind of nurturing relationships with people. That's awesome. Um, education. You made a good point earlier about just knowing you said, you know, just we got other relations going on beyond our control. And I mm-hmm. think politics pays a big deal into understanding business and, and education and knowing how to maneuver. Um, mm-hmm. What's your take on education um, and business and how do you apply that? Yeah, I mean, education is one of those things that, you know, you think you're done with the education when you graduate high school or you graduate college or grad school or, or your trade school or whatever it is. But it's it's an ongoing thing. And I, I can remember us having conversations uh, through the day TV or on day TV about the same thing. It's like it's it's a nonstop thing. If you're not striving to educate yourself on anything every single day, you're kind of selling yourself short. You know, I got books on this shelf that I may not touch for years, but one day I may pick up a book and and just read a chapter out of it just to just to just brush up on something or take something out of of context that I that maybe I didn't catch the first time around. Um, So I'm I'm trying to be well-rounded. You know, again, I'm in the travel basketball world, so I I try to stay in verse with with what's what's happening in in our scene. Um, But, you know, things like politics, you, you can you can pay attention to what's going on in the in the political world without staking a claim on a side, you know, left or right. I I think that's a little dangerous sometimes because then you're going to be, you're only going to be committed to one ideology when there may be some good things here. There may be some bad things here to be able to kind of grab a hold of that and and understand um, some truths for yourself is an important thing. Cause a lot of people, I mean, we're, we're in a gullible society. We're in a malleable (laughs) space. And if somebody said it that I agree with, then that's what I'm, you know, Jamel said it. So that's my boy. I'm not going away from that. You know, that's, that can be dangerous sometimes and it can be good sometimes. I'm just saying you have to be able to have the ability to sift through what's what and being able to educate yourself in different ways is, is a key component to, to recognizing that. That's, that's a good point. And lastly, nutrition. What's nutritional for you? What do you intake to help your, your business idea? Is it podcast? Is it, you know, different um, conferences you go to like what what are some things that you, you yeah the, the you shows are big for me the conferences are big we there's uh, a lot of people don't know about them but there there are three or four like mega uh, trade shows a year that bring people like me together like I said with facilities and different people um, those are big learning 
opportunities for us because we always I saw Deion Sanders speak at one. I've seen Shaquille O'Neal speak at one. It's always sports centered figures who are giving us a message. Sometimes it's about sports. Sometimes it's not. Peyton Manning spoke one time. That was phenomenal. Um, so I just use those opportunities to, to just sit back. I go to them with like no real intentions other than, um, you know, trying to pick up different things that I'm, I'm not aware of, different trends in, within the industry, what's going on at facilities, what, what new facilities are popping up. And then the other thing for me is just other people that are doing what I do, you know, other a few years ago, it's like there was such this uh, tug of war going on between this tournament organization, and this tournament organization. Now I've got great relationships with guys who are in the space who, who are ultimately competitors, right? They're, they're trying to host events. I'm trying to host events, but I mean, I, I partner with some of these guys on events now. It's not, there's, there's so many facilities. There's so many teams. We don't have to not like each other because we're doing the same thing. Sure. Um, so I, I lean on those guys, even all the way down to the application of a rule at a tournament or, or an eligibility question, or, you know, we can bounce things off of each other. And that if we can, if we can get to that point, you know, amongst all of us in the space, it's only going to improve the space because we can all work to get better and, and create efficiencies that maybe didn't exist without us collaborating and, and corresponding on whatever issue it may be. So kind of bouncing things off of some of those guys that now I, I consider some friend, friends and, and some guys even mentors that I can kind of confide in and, and, then, and then being in the same space has been important. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, before I let you go, one last question just for people that, you know, that's new to the game, but uh, have an organization and want to get their teams together. So I know back in the days we used to bring binders to the game with all our information. You so now things have changed. So kind of can you update people um, that's um, new to the game on registration their teams or players? Yeah, let you go. We try to make it easy on teams. A lot of teams are still doing that. You know that's that's a system that's worked for them. It's kind of old school with the team binder and that sort of thing. But we we appreciate it because however you you bring your information to us is just going to add to the integrity of the event. Um, so we're doing things like that. But we have partnered with other you know. Uh, Partners on the technology side, National Sports ID is, is came a long way. You can upload your proof of age and grade for a player right onto the website, submit a headshot, and then bring that along to the event with you. It's just it's just another layer of of protection. I think we have to to keep uh, the event integrity uh, up front and and try to just put that peace of mind and that confidence with teams to know that they're going to come and compete against players that are their own age. You know, it, it doesn't happen a lot, but we have seen situations where we've had to ask teams to leave just because you know they're bringing in older players that's that's something that's happened since aau has existed sure um, but there there have been ways that that that's been improved um, our website it's teammatebasketball.com you can click on tournaments and see the lineup of events we're everywhere from louisiana to pennsylvania this year we end the year with our national championship in virginia beach that's uh, june the 22nd through the 26th it's an 18 court facility that's about seven blocks from the ocean so it's a it's a great experience. It lets families come and have a vacation opportunity while competing in a competitive event. So we like the fact that you can kind of kill two birds with one stone there. And we we bust our butt on that one to try to make it, you know, a Super Bowl type feel and and something that's memorable, win or lose. For sure. For sure. Well, Blaco, man, I appreciate you. And, and thanks for all you do in, in, in creating this great space for athletes to develop. And we appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Great to connect as always. For sure. You have a good one, big guy. Thanks. Okay. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Peace. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. I want to thank Blake for coming out and giving us his wealth of knowledge on uh, not only the tournaments, but him being a former player and, and just talking and 
um, engaging with different coaches across the country, um, having a great insight, having a great feeling on what athletes need to be doing. Um, the type of tournaments he, he runs is, is, is well-oiled machine. I think uh, we participate in at least four to five tournaments every summer with Team of Basketball, and our parents and our kids um, are very, very pleased with the organization. So uh, thank you, Blake, for putting on great tournaments and keep uh, providing a great platform for the youth. We appreciate you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Triple Threat podcast on your favorite listening platform. We are live on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. That's Triple Threat, spelled 3-R-I-P-L-E, 3 H R E A T Triple Threat Podcast. We'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly to get the proper education and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college but i love what jermel is doing it's a wonderful program hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs looking out for the best interest of a youth the future of this country is in our youth and everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful and and i can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people you can follow us on facebook and instagram at jermel president and on twitter at president jermel Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.